0: Cable news. Noisy. Touring
1: Welcome to the Christian Outlook, the weekly radio program that sorts through the issues in our fast changing world in a way that honors your Christian faith. The Christian Outlook is part of the Salem Podcast Network. I'm Georgine Rice. This week, Senate hearings reveal the real value Instagram
0: puts on your teenagers. Senator Marsha Blackburn. Each of you should be looking. At these kids, their t shirts say, I'm worth more than $270. Senator Ted
1: Cruz pressed the 140 billionaire on the site's catering to evil.
2: In what sane universe is there a link for C results anyway?
1: Senator Josh Hawley pushed Zuckerberg on the harm done. You didn't take any action, you didn't
3: fire anybody, you haven't compensated a single victim.
4: And we'll look at the reason they're so successful at what they do. Parents is incapable of going to battle with some of the most brilliant behavior psychologists in the world who were paid untold sums of money to addict that 13-year-old girl to the platform.
1: We've got all this and more. I'm Georgine Rice, and I'm glad to be with you once again. I'm coming to you from Portland and my home station of KPDQ. You can hear my program live each weekday afternoon on 93.9 FM here in Portland and in Seattle on 820 AM, The Word. And you can catch the stream of my program via our website at kpdq.com or through our station app available for your portable device. Just do a quick search for KPDQ in the App Store. Thanks for joining us. We're going to start in Washington, D.C., and a Senate hearing where the CEOs of Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and other social media platforms, CEOs, they appeared for a hearing. Criticism of the failure of these leaders to provide adequate protections on their sites was bipartisan, and it was withering. Many of you and many of your children are on these platforms. From their own internal documents, Instagram makes it clear. They value your sons and daughters. In fact, Meta put a lifetime value on your kids at $270, some paper money and a few coins. Tennessee Senator Marsha Blackburn pressed Zuckerberg on this internal data.
0: One of the things that really concerned me is that you referred to your young users in terms of their lifetime value of it being roughly $270 per teenager. And each of you should be looking at these kids, their T-shirts they're wearing today say, I'm worth more than $270. We've got some standing up in those T-shirts. And some of the children from our state, some of the children, the parents that we have worked with, just to think whether it is Becca Schmidt, David Moloch, Sarah Flatt, Annalise Shote, would you say that life is only worth $270? What could possibly lead you? I mean, I listen to that. I know you're a dad. I'm a mom. I'm a grandmom. And how could you possibly even have that thought?
1: Senator Blackburn went on to push Zuckerberg on his platforms in action on criminal behavior they know is taking place on their sites. I want to talk with
0: you about your Instagram creators program and about the push. We found out through these documents that you actually are pushing forward because you want to bring kids in early. You see these younger teenagers as valuable but an untapped audience, qu- quoting from the emails, and suggesting teens are actually household influencers to bring their younger siblings into your platform, into Instagram. Now, how can you ensure that Instagram creators, your product, your program, does not facilitate illegal activities when you fail? to remove content pertaining to the sale of minors. And it is happening once every two minutes in this country.
5: Um, Senator, our our tools for identifying that kind of content are industry-leading. That doesn't mean we're perfect. There are definitely issues that we have. But we continue to see that. Mr. Zuckerberg, it it, yes, there are and, a
0: lot that is slipping through. It appears that you're trying to be the premier sex trafficking site not, Senator. in this uh, country. Senator, that's ridiculous. No, no it is Senator, not ridiculous. Uh, you want to turn around this. and tell want these this people that. On our platforms. We, Why don't you take it down? We do take we it down. We are here discussing. We need you all to work with us. No, you're not. I, you are not. And the problem is, we've been working on this. Senator Welch is over there. We've been working on this stuff for a decade. You have an army of lawyers and lobbyists that have fought us on this every step of the way. You work with Net Choice, the Cato Institute, Taxpayers Protection Alliance, and Chamber of Progress to actually fight our bipartisan legislation to keep kids safe online. So are you going to stop funding these groups? Are you going to stop lobbying against this and come to the table and work with us, yes or no?
5: Senator, we have a...
0: Yes a, or no?
5: Of course we'll work with you on, on the legislation.
0: Okay.
1: Texas Senator Ted Cruz asked the Meta CEO about some of the choices his sites provide.
2: Social media is a very powerful tool, but we're here because... Every parent I know, and I think every parent in America is terrified about the garbage that is directed at our kids. I have two teenagers at home, and the phones they have are portals to predators, to viciousness, to bullying, to self-harm. And each of your companies could do a lot more to prevent it. Mr. Zuckerberg, in June of 2023, the Wall Street Journal reported that Instagram's recommendation systems were actively connecting pedophiles to accounts that were advertising the sale of child sexual abuse material. In many cases, those accounts appeared to be run by underage children themselves, often using code words and emojis to advertise illicit material. In other cases, the accounts included indicia that the victim was being sex trafficked. Now, I know that Instagram has a team that works to prevent the abuse and exploitation of children online. But what was particularly concerning about the Wall Street Journal expose was the degree to which Instagram's own algorithm was promoting the discoverability of victims for pedophiles seeking child abuse material. In other words, this material wasn't just living on the dark corners of Instagram. Instagram was helping pedophiles find it by promoting graphic hashtags, including hashtag ped and hashtag preteen sex to potential buyers. Instagram also displayed the following warning screen to individuals who were searching for child abuse material. The, these results may contain images of child sexual abuse. And then you gave users two choices get resources or see results anyway. Mr.
5: Zuckerberg, what were you thinking? all right senator um, the The basic science behind that is that when people are searching for something that is problematic it's often helpful to rather than just blocking it to help direct them towards something that could be helpful for getting them to get help. in, in what I also, understand
2: get resources in what sane universe is there a link for C results anyway?
5: Well, because we might be wrong we We try to trigger this this uh, warning or we tried to. Um, when we think that there's any chance that the results... Okay, you might, might
2: be harm. wrong. Let me ask you, how many times was this wording screen displayed?
5: I don't know, but the... But the hey, you don't know. There's why there's, don't you
2: know? I, I, I don't know the answer to that off the top of my head. But, 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 you know what, Mr. Zuckerberg, it's interesting you say you don't know it off the top of your head, because I asked it in June of 2023 in an oversight letter, and your company refused to answer. Will you commit right now to within five days answering this question for this committee? We'll follow up on that. Is that a yes? Not a will follow up. I know how lawyers write statements saying we're not going to answer. Will you tell us how many times this warning screen was displayed? Yes or no? Senator, I'll personally look into it. I'm not sure if we have. Okay, so you're refusing to answer that.
1: Missouri Senator Josh Hawley addressed the all too prevalent mental health issues resulting from social media exposure.
3: Your own study says that you make life worse for one in three teenage girls you increase anxiety and depression that's what it says and you're here testifying to us in public that there's no link you've been doing this for years for years you've been coming in public and testifying under oath that there's absolutely no link your product is wonderful the science is nascent full speed ahead while internally you know full well your product is a disaster for teenagers and yet you keep right on doing what you're doing right not true that's not true. Let me, let, me t- let me show you some other but facts I, mean, I know think, that you're you familiar carry, with. You I, well, I, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, want, wait a minute. That's not I mean, a question. That's, that's, that's not a question. Internal... Those are facts, Mr. Zuckerberg. That's, that's not, not a question. That's, those aren't facts. Here, let me show you some more facts. Here are some, here's some information from a whistleblower who came before the Senate, testified under oath in public. He worked for you. He's a senior executive. Here's what he showed he found when he studied your products. For example, this is girls between the ages of 13 and 15 years old, 37% of them reported that they had been exposed to nudity on the platform unwanted in the last seven days 24 percent said that they had experienced unwanted sexual advances they've been propositioned in the last seven days 17 percent said they had encountered self-harm content pushed at them in the last seven days now i know you're familiar with these stats because he sent you an email where he lined it all out i mean we've got a copy of it right here my question is who did you fire for this,
5: Senator? We study all of this because it's important, and we want to improve our services. Well, you just told and me a second ago
3: the... you studied it, but you, that there was no linkage.
5: Who Senator, did you fire? You, yeah, I said you mischaracterized.
3: Thirty-seven percent of teenage girls between thirteen and fifteen were exposed to unwanted nudity in a week on Instagram. You knew about it. Who did you fire,
5: Senator? This is why we're building all who these did you fire
3: tools. Senator. That's I don't think that that's who did you fire.
5: Uh, I'm not going to answer that.
3: Because um, <laughs> you didn't is, fire anybody, right? You didn't take so any there, significant I, I action. This,
5: it's appropriate to talk about, it, it, like, individual it's not decisions. That imp- Do you know who's sitting like behind
3: you? You've got families from across the nation whose children are either severely harmed or gone, and you don't think it's appropriate to talk about steps that you took? The fact that you didn't fire I, a single person? To, let, me let, me let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Have you compensated any of the victims? Sorry? Have you compensated any of the victims? These girls, have you compensated them? I don't believe so. Why not? Don't you think they deserve some compensation for what your platform has done? Help with counseling services? Help with dealing with the issues that your services caused? Our
5: our job is to make sure that we build tools to help keep people safe. Are you going to compensate them? Senator, our job and what we take seriously is making sure that we build industry-leading tools to find harmful to content, make money. take it off the services no, to make money. and to build tools that empower parents. So you didn't, you didn't take any true,
3: action you didn't take any action, you didn't fire anybody, you haven't that's compensated a that's single not, victim Let me ask you this, let me ask you this, there's families of victims here today. Have you apologized to the victims? I, Would I'm, you like to do so now? Well, They're here, you're on national television Would you like now to apologize to the victims who have been harmed by your product? Show them the pictures Would you like to apologize for what you've done to these good people?
1: Coming up, why Instagram is so effective at doing so much harm and how that makes it hard to put
4: it down. Parents is incapable of going to battle with some of the most brilliant behavior psychologists in the world who are paid to addict that 13-year-old girl to the platform.
1: When the Christian Outlook returns in a moment.
6: Two weeks old in an iron lung, which is, you know, like a sealed oxygen unit fighting for my life. I couldn't I couldn't breathe properly. I, and apparently I didn't make a sound um, from the day I was born because my lungs were all messed up.
7: That's Martin Smith of Delirious sharing a personal testimony on The Walk, a podcast for worshippers. Join us weekly to hear songwriters, worship leaders, filmmakers and other creatives tell stories in the form of a devotional. The Walk can be found on lifeaudio.com or your favorite podcast platform.
1: Welcome back to The Christian Outlook. I'm Georgine Rice. After all we've heard so far, you'd think that the majority of Christian parents, along with their teens and tweens, would abandon Instagram, TikTok, and Snapchat, and other social media sites. So why isn't that happening? And why is the inclination so strong to log on and linger again and again? Why? Because they're intentional and really good at what they do. They want to make their product addictive to you, and to your children. Chris Martin took a closer look at this internal data from Instagram and Facebook, material the tech giant released while you and I were in holiday mode, but only in response to a lawsuit obligating them to release the information, information they hoped no one would notice. Martin is the author of The Wolf in Their Pockets, 13 Ways the Social Internet Threatens the People You Lead. He was a guest of John Hall and Kathy Emmons on Word 101.5 FM, in Pittsburgh
4: many of us who cover social media and who write and talk about social media have long suspected but have had a hard time proving that Facebook is actively not passively but actively choosing profits over mental health and safety and kind of had people kind of give me this side eye look of like are you just like a conspiracy theorist mm, like right. you know are you are you for real like how can you prove this how do you know and now we have straight from the horse's mouth if you will so like like actual words from internal employees at Facebook, Instagram, Meta, the big corporation, that they routinely, actively chose to make decisions that would earn them more profit at the cost of their users, things that led people down eating disorder rabbit holes or avoiding doing some research projects to stop bullying among preteens. Uh, things like this, uh, because they knew that it would hinder profits if they if they took these actions. And so I think the, the kind of the big point here is for a long time, people have kind of had the idea that, hey, social media use, especially among teenagers, may have some negative mental health effects, but it's just kind of a, an unfortunate side effect. Uh, uh, we're sad that this is the case, and we'll try to mitigate it, but it just kind of happens. Here, w- what we see in these unredacted documents is situations in which Facebook and Instagram actively chose to to add features, delete features that hurt teens in order to make a profit. It's not just a passive, oh man, we're sad that teenagers get hurt by using these apps and have their have their you know worth feel worthless or go down you know again. Uh, Eating disorder rabbit holes, things like that. They're actually making decisions in their apps to cause things like this to happen because it increases their time on platform. It increases the likelihood that they'll spend money, things like this. So that's kind of like the gist, of the summary, if you will. But there's a whole, there's a whole. I mean, hundreds, dozens, at least hundreds of pages of unredacted information that we now know that we that we just never knew before.
6: So you know, I read uh, all the information that you're talking about as well, and uh, there's just no. There's just no other conclusion to come to other than the fact that in these companies, there are people who are interested in the welfare of teens. But the decision makers have decided to prioritize profits over that. It's not like it's it's an accident that this is happening.
4: That's right. Yeah. A lot of people have historically said, well mental health issues related to social media are just sort of an unintended side effect that comes when people abuse social media and use it too much and get addicted to it. No, I mean, like in these unredacted documents, we have meta employees saying we've hired biologists to study teen biology to get teenagers addicted to the platform and our algorithms and recommendation engines are set up such that when a teenager engages with content about eating disorders, or being skinny, or things like that, they're then going to be recommended to follow more and more destructive Instagram accounts, specifically Instagram, that encourage eating disordered behavior, Mm -hmm. and and other forms of self harm as well. And, And again, the thing the thing to remember here, and this is where a big distinction needs to take place in our minds as we think about this, is these are not the platforms being abused or used incorrectly. These things are happening when the platforms are used exactly how they're supposed to be used. Mm-hmm. So you may think if you think of a teenager in your life, like, oh, uh, they're just addicted to Instagram and you kind of like the inclination that the, the first thought is like, you, you want to blame them. Like they just don't have the discipline or their parents don't care enough or whatever else. If you see a middle schooler addicted to Instagram, no, no, no. Listen, like their parents who are probably working a job each to be able to pay rent for their house that they can barely afford or whatever is incapable of going to battle with some of the most brilliant behavior psychologists in the world who were paid untold sums of money to addict that 13-year-old girl to the platform. Like, how could we ever expect a 13-year-old girl to go to war with that, yeah. or, or even her parents to be able to, to fight against that? And so those are the things that I think we need to recognize, that this is not these tools being used inappropriately, meaning like against how they were made these tools are being more and more designed for this exact kind of activity. And we need to start seeing these young people and their parents more as victims rather than as like foolish participants or something.
1: So Chris, no one, government, industry, whomever,
6: no one is regulating this.
4: That's right. There are plenty of people listening, probably myself included, who are not going to be quick to say, Hey, we need more, more government intervention. Right. But I think like, Look, what else do we have at this point? Like, we need government intervention because, again, parents can't – we can't expect parents to do this themselves because they're they're going to battle with some of the most brilliant biologists right. in the world who are being paid half a million more dollar, who knows how much, to addict teens to this stuff. Who else is going to help us? Like, we, right. we need some kind of regulation. So, Chris, when I- – I also
6: think that we have been a little ignorant of the way that uh, young people are inculcated in different modes of thinking or worldview formation or whatever that goes on in different uh, social media platforms that actually end up kind of setting culture. They're kind of at the at the top of the stream. And the rest of the society is kind of downstream from where a lot of 15 year olds are. On social media apps, Um, whether whether you're talking about, you know, the Israel Hamas war or you're talking about issues related to sexuality or issues related to gender. A lot of those things are talked about, tossed around and kind of societal decisions made on those platforms that people who are 40 years old are going to find out about five years later.
4: Yeah, it's really fast. I love that you highlighted this, Kathy, because it's it is kind of an inversion of what used to be the case with regard to the culture in the Internet. It used to be back in the late 90s and even early 2000s, you could say sort of the pre massive social media days up till 2005 or six or so, that the Internet was a reflection of offline culture. Right. Today the the we're looking through the binoculars the other way. Yeah. We're looking through yep. the telescope the other way. Offline culture is becoming a reflection of internet culture. Yep. And this is why I think studying so, internet culture is so important because and and it's long been the case. In fact, I've read a lot of articles in the past about how teen girls in particular always lead cultural change. We see this especially like in language change back to like the early 20th century even. Like if if a new word is added to a cultural context, cool or other such words. um, It's often from like teenage girls lead that charge. And I think that's a fascinating aspect that social media kind of supercharges. But yeah, I think we need to recognize that our young people, all people generally, but our young people especially are being influenced by the content they find on these platforms more and more. And the thing I highlight this in my more recent book, The Wolf in Their Pockets, these platforms are designed to deliver us more deeply into our desires, not deliver us from our desires. And so I think what we need to be recognizing as parents or people who care about other young people, is if our If the people we care about, the young people we care about, get into some topic, healthy or unhealthy, whether it's video games or the Pittsburgh Steelers or eating disorders, if they start following accounts about those things or start following, you know, uh, or start viewing those videos or reading those articles, these platforms are are designed to deliver them more. Hey, oh, you read that? You must like this. Oh, you read that? You must like that. And so we just need to be aware of that and be ready to disciple them through that.
8: Coming up. That is the best education our world can offer.
1: Learn more when the Christian Outlook returns in a moment.
3: Hi, it's Mike Gallagher. I start every day by reading through the stories at Daybreak Insider. In just 10 minutes, I can zip through 10 stories that help me start my day and help shape where I go with the Mike Gallagher Show. Over a quarter million people get Daybreak Insider by email daily, and it's available to you at no cost. Go to daybreakinsider.com and simply plug in your email. That's daybreakinsider.com. In five minutes, She will be the most informed person in the office. That's daybreakinsider.com.
1: Welcome back to The Christian Outlook. I'm Georgine Rice. It's a well-understood truth that sounds so simple it barely raises an eyebrow. The battle over the next generation is won or lost with the children. So who or what is going to shape them? Who's going to develop them? As we saw in the last segment, the tech giants understand what's at stake. Instagram's internal documents admit they want your kids. The public school system, they want your kids. In states like California, they're actively working to keep parents out of the equation. Christina and Jarrett LeMaster are making the case for parents to take their kids back. They talked about homeschooling with Eric Metaxas.
7: You know, we have a, like a one-size-fits-all education system. And even yeah. in Christian schools, oftentimes, there's, th- there can be a semi-woke agenda. I have experience. I sent my daughter to a Christian school, and the stuff that came back home with her sometimes, I was like, what? What? Like, are you, are you <laughs> kidding me that they're teaching you stuff that I, that I know is wrong? And that can happen in Christian schools. And so— there is no doubt in my mind that the best solution for, for everybody, pretty much, is homeschooling. That would be my first choice. And when people ask me about what do I do with my kids or what I get, homeschooling is almost always the best solution. This is not to put down all Christian schools. Some of them are good.
8: Right. So um, I think that the traditional school model, it's not the best. It's not ideal. It can work in certain circumstances, but really it's not the best uh, most ideal way to teach a child. Um, I had the privilege of actually studying at Oxford University. It was just a study abroad program for one semester. And when I was there, literally all we did was the Don would you know assign a book to read, high quality literature. I would read the book, I would write a reflection essay. And then the next week we would go in and I would read this essay out loud, one on one. That's the best education our world can offer, is reading high quality literature and having discussions. So parents think, oh, I can't do what they do in the classroom, oh, the teacher's doing all this stuff. And you know, now with, with technology being infused into the classroom, a Chromebook in front of every student, and we're supposed to think this is good for our kids, they can't even read a novel, a classic novel. Everything is so they at so high fat, um, fast paced. I read a really great book called Glow Kids. Um, Glow Kids. It- Yes, yeah, it's written by a neuroscience. It's, really, uh, yeah, yes. it's a fascinating book. Um, yeah, it is a fascinating book, but basically he talks about how screens are affecting our children's brains and they are they are not doing anything good. So, you know, why are schools all of a sudden everybody's on a Chromebook, everybody's on an iPad. Um, but anyway, so back to the whole Oxford thing, that is the best education our world can offer. And what are we doing for our kids? So, home, people think they can't homeschool. Well, can you read to your kids can you find a list of excellent literature, read it out loud, and then talk about it? Because that's really I, the listen,
7: best. Listen, am, I am so pro-homeschool. I've been an advocate of it for years. And I've said this many times on the program that it's not just about passing on information. That's a very secular, enlightenment <laughs> view of education. A Christian view of education, It's it's about raising young men and women to be ladies and gentlemen, to have wisdom, uh, to understand that the Bible is the word of God. I mean, all of that stuff ought to be, and used to be at the heart of all education. Um, Mm -hmm. but it's, but it's not anymore in secular education and it's, you really cannot get an education if you avoid these basics, the basics of is there a God? Who am I in relationship to God? What is God's will? And that that used to be, you know, you mentioned Oxford. I mean, all the universities were founded by Christians centuries ago, Mm -hmm. and this was at the heart of everything. And it's been lost. It's all been bleached out and secularized. So this fake idea that so many Christians have that, oh, to get a real education, I need to go to that secular place or I need to go to a place that's already in a sense, compromised with the secular Enlightenment view. Uh, Homeschooling stands utterly against that. And again, it's why I'm a fan. uh, LegacyChristianPSP.com is the website, Legacy Christian. What is Legacy Christian? This is a network. Tell us about what what this is.
8: Yeah, so actually, so my parents, being the pioneers that they were, they decided to start this, um, you know, they call it a co-op. Um, but it's really a lot more than that. It really is a a school. So it started 27 years ago and then I started helping out with it a few years ago to kind of, you know, bring it into (laughs) the current century. But it's interesting because I wanted to teach in the public school system and I did. And um, I'm not really sure why, I think I, I watched Dangerous Minds and thought I could make a difference and an impact on this you yeah. know, broken system. And I quickly realized I really, I couldn't. I mean, yeah. I showed up literally 23 years old, public school, Title I school in California, which means it's low income. They put 36 students, 36 eighth graders in each five periods. I had over 200 students I was trying to teach English to at 23 years old. Yeah. But yeah, so just going into that scenario and then really looking, taking a close look at it and thinking, can I picture my kids here? Um, and, I, and I couldn't. Coming up. I'm telling you, Eric, phones are the worst thing to ever happen to our kids.
1: More with Christina and Jarrett Lemaster when the Christian Outlook returns in a moment. And one by one, I watched
4: my dear friends get engaged, get married, start having children. And especially as a woman, I felt
6: like there was a certain timeline that these things needed to happen in my life.
7: Charity Gale shares a personal testimony on The Walk, a podcast for worshipers. Join us weekly to hear songwriters, worship leaders, filmmakers, and other creatives tell their stories in the form of a devotional. The Walk can be found on lifeaudio.com or your favorite podcast platform.
1: Welcome back to The Christian Outlook. I'm Georgine Rice. When it comes to educating children, Christian parents work hard to instill biblical values and a Christian worldview in their sons and their daughters. Then they send them off to public institutions that too often are determined to reshape both their character and their worldview, undermining the authority and hard work of good parenting. Let's pick up on Christina LeMaster, joined with her husband, Jarrett, on The Eric Metaxas Show.
8: So when we had our first child, I actually quit teaching and um, stayed home, but I worked for a public charter school, um, which was really amazing um, to be able to work from home um, as a teacher. So that was really neat. But um, so then we had four boys, and I just really started doing this homeschool thing and building this incredible community of like-minded parents. Um, you have to be so intentional nowadays because you know you can think everybody's getting along, and then what happens is. I'm telling you, Eric, phones are the worst thing to ever happen to our kids. So, you know, we, I would start reading books like Glow Kids and Hold On To Your Kids and the, um, you know, books on homeschooling. And I'd share them with my friends and we all start talking. And it's like, are you going to give your kid a phone? No, I'm not going to give my kid a phone. Let's not, let's all not give our kids phones. So now we've got a huge community where it's normal for a 15 year old to not have a smartphone. What does every parent, even Christian parents, even do around in between 10 years old and 13 years old? Is they give their child a smartphone. When are Christian parents going to say no to this? I, it, I seriously, like when, it, are they not reading one article about, or a study? Listen, of let,
7: what let's boil it down. To- they don't have the guts. Let this, I mean, look, this gets to my book letter to the American <laughs> church. You get a lot of Christians who they've got everything except courage. They've got everything. They've got all the theology, whatever. But when push comes to shove, when you've got to live out your faith and it's going to cost you something, somebody's going to look at you funny. They're like, oh, I yeah. want everybody to like me because that's in the Ten Commandments. Right. Right. And then they're just going to go along. What is everybody else doing? And listen, I've been guilty of that. But then you get to repent, folks. If you got it wrong, you <laughs> get to repent. God wants us to repent of, of, of going along with this because you're quite right, Christina. That's what's going on.
8: Well, and the other thing is that there are better options than an iPhone. Okay, There are safe Cell phones. Have you heard of these things? Have you heard of gab phones or pinwheel phones? Yeah. You probably have not heard of these. Are these there
7: diesel are safe- powered or wood burning? <laughs>
8: <laughs> They're safe phones for kids no, that well, yes. can only talk and text. Okay. Can children handle mm-hmm. calling their friends like we did when we were kids? Yes. That is not the problem can they text their friends i would say mm, most most times yes however the the whole boy girl texting thing in um i think as teenagers is really it's it's causing the demise <clears throat> of our kids creating he- healthy relationships between boys and girls they do not know how to communicate how to co- have a conversation because text messaging is very insufficient you don't get to know someone on a deep level by texting that's very if interesting you, what you just yeah. said
7: christine i had i really hadn't thought of that but and i didn't know i had not heard of these phones say it again what are they called sorry
8: um so gab the gab phone yeah gb they're great g-a-b-b uh gab wireless is what it's called yeah pinwheel pinwheel P I N. Oh,
7: pinwheel Yes.
8: W-H-E-E-L. And then also Bark. So B-A-R-K. They have a very advanced um, phone. So these are phones created that are safe for our kids. And when I ask parents when they're going to get their their kid a phone, most of the time, oh, well, I have my old iPhone. So here, I just gave it to them. Why? What are they trying to do? Save a few hundred bucks? You know, I mean, it's just like when you can. And then there's the parent controls. Those don't work. Kids get around them. One kid at your school knows how to get around the parent controls. Guess what? Everybody's around the parent controls. Yeah. And then Haven't these of parents heard rest.
7: of total depravity? What's wrong with them? <laughs> I know, but <laughs> Thank they're you.
8: at school all day, you know, being molded by strangers. Their minds are being molded by strangers that you don't know. And okay. then you, they get home and you're gonna, they're going to really tell you everything? No. And then when they get <clears> home, most kids are on screens for the rest of the afternoon and Christian parents need to wake up and stop. Well,
5: it's like, it's, for me, I kind of liken it to if you were gonna give your kid a room and you're gonna design the room for your kid and give them everything that they, they wanted in the room. So you have like a video game system, you got a phone, you got all kinds of stuff. But then in the corner is a stack of Playboys. And you're like, oh, don't go there. Uh, just focus on this stuff. This is the good stuff for you. Here's a Bible. I'm gonna set the Bible right next to the Playboys actually. Don't even don't look at this. You know, what I mean, that that entire wall is not for you.
7: But the and rest pl- of it, and, pl- so and Playboys like, would be a nice way of putting it. Uh, you know, P- yeah, playboys is practically yeah, exactly. a home and garden compared to what, what kids are being exposed to.
4: Well, wow, that's true. That it is, it, right. no,
7: the, the level of toxicity of what kids are being exposed to. This is why parents need to take a strong stand. It's why I want to have the two of you on. You were you were just talking uh, off the air about how. Churches, local churches uh, need to partner and help parents with this. So, talk about that.
8: Yeah, so, um, you know, just imagine if every local church had um, some type of homeschool co op or a, a provided a gathering place for homeschoolers. So we deal with this a lot in our area. I have, I'm currently trying to get multiple churches just to allow me just open the door. Literally, that's all I'm asking, open the door. We will pay you even to open that door, even though, you know, churches are empties Monday through Friday. Why can't we facilitate um, these homeschool co-ops all across America and create a, an affordable way for people to educate their kids Um, With Christ at the center, it's so simple. It's not hard. Yet I'm telling you, Eric. So many churches say no to me. There's always why do you think uh, Why do you think that
7: is? I'm just curious.
5: Can I say? I I think it's I think they're always what we hear a lot is liability. So liability,
7: cover your butt. That's biblical. Yeah, yeah. 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 Forget about other people. Cover your rear end. You don't want to get sued. That's very biblical. Yeah, Jesus was very litigious, by the way. He had a lot of lawyers to protect him from, you know, yeah. Can you even imagine (laughs) we're talking about this? Churches have become so corporate. If you're going to a church like that, folks, let me just uh, give you a – here's a hot tip. Get out. Uh, My goodness, when I see this happening in churches, you're quite right. The churches ought to be at the forefront of this. uh, And if you can't get your church to be at the forefront of it or to be opening its doors literally and figuratively to the homeschool network – Find a church that is open to it because our kids are at stake. Everything's at stake if our kids are at stake. Um, well, keep keep right. going, Christina.
8: Um, yeah, so anyway, but the, the local church, you know, it's sad because um, a lot of them are dying, even dying churches with, you know, nobody there on Sunday. But
7: why nobody are they dying? Does. Because of this kind of thinking. This is called <laughs> stinking thinking. This is why they're dying. <laughs> this is why they're dying. It's just unbelievable. I mean, seriously. Yeah.
8: Yeah, and then, too, to be so ignorant to what's going on in the public school system, to not see the need for an alternative. Coming up? Parents, like, we can parent. We don't have to send them to off to some program for them to be fixed.
1: A few more minutes with Christina LeMaster in the final segment of The Christian Outlook.
6: AM radio provides always on news, sports, talk, traffic, and weather reports. And it's also a vital service that provides important emergency information when your community needs it most. Tell Congress you need AM radio to stay in your car. Because when cell phones and the internet are down, this free emergency service is critical. And when you don't have electricity, radio in the car is often your only lifeline. Text AM to 52886 and tell Congress we need AM radio in cars. This message furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters. Welcome back
1: to the Christian Outlook. I'm Georgine Rice. Parenthood starts with a bang, and parents feel the pressure for their kids to excel. Our economy is increasingly complex. Well paying careers demand a good education. And in order to provide a head start on that training, many parents feel the need to start early. The answer? Preschool. When young parents hear the challenge from someone like our guest, Christina LeMaster, to educate their children at home, many tend to say, well, I can't do that. I'm not qualified. Well, don't be so quick to say you can't. Let's pick up with Christina LeMaster and Eric Metaxas.
8: You know what? I think that for parents these days, it's really easy to just kind of go. But I think what the mob is doing is, they're, you know, okay, public school, let's start them as early as possible. Four years old, what preschool are they going to? And so, right from the get go, you kind of have to be um, countercultural, you know, and to keep your family intact. And your kid sitting there playing with blocks with you, reading to them, it's these simple things that people in our culture don't have time to do because they're out at seven, dropping them off at some really expensive preschool, expecting that this is going to help them somehow when really just reading to them is what you have to do. So, but yeah, just taking back childhood, taking back parenthood, parents, like we can parent. We don't have to send them to off to some program for them to be fixed.
7: No, Christina. Obviously, I so agree with what you're saying. It's kind of amazing the whole system of education in America, uh, the whole system of uh, of higher education, of, of of education from from the beginning, preschool all the way out, has bought into this, you know, a John Dewey secular elitist anti biblical worldview. <laughs> And you have Christians sending their kids into that world and then wondering why it's it's so hard because, they're, they're, they're again, they're going with the flow, and the flow is very, very bad. And it's our job uh, to say, no, we're going to go against the flow, and we're going to join other parents who are going against the flow. And there are plenty of them out there. We need to link arms, and that's what you all are talking about. Um, with LegacyChristianPSB.com uh, is, is networking with other Christians so that you're not alone in the way that, that your, your parents, Christina, were really alone pioneers in the 90s.
8: Right, and it is, it's so much easier to do this when you're joined by fellow Christians, the local church. Just imagine if every local church had some type of homeschool co-op or a provided a gathering place for homeschoolers. So we deal with this a lot in our area. I'm currently trying to get multiple churches just to allow me just open the door. Literally, that's all I'm asking, open the door. We will pay you even to open that door, even though you know churches are empty Monday through Friday. Why can't we facilitate these homeschool co-ops all across America and create an affordable way for people to educate their kids with Christ at the center?
1: Thank you for joining us for the Christian Outlook. You can listen to the entire interview with Christina and Jarrett LeMaster with Eric Metaxas at ChristianOutlook.com. If you enjoyed the program, be sure to mention it to a friend and send them to ChristianOutlook.com. Encourage them to sign up for our podcast. The Christian Outlook is part of the Salem Podcast Network. For executive producer Russell Shubin and producer David Pouchon and James Blind, I'm Georgine Rice. Join us again next time for the Christian Outlook.